look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is! Hallelujah! Holy shit!22nd of December. It is episode 47 of Dude and a Monkey. We didn't think we were going to be doing this one, but the kid's stubborn, so she's not here yet. Uh, my name's Ian Loring, and as always, I am joined by... Mark Foster. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, or whatever, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, like Ian says, we are here because Ian's baby doesn't want to vacate. No, she doesn't want to come out. She's being a little shit, and so we are still here. Uh, coming up on this week's show, um, reviews will include... Uh, I've just done something to my display settings on my computer, and now I can't see anything. Um, reviews will include... Uh, it, um, it reverts after 15 seconds, I think, anyway, so... 
Oopsie doodle. Uh, reviews will include Anchorman 2 The Legend Continues, which is uh, Adam McKay's um, a hotly anticipated follow-up to uh, the original cult comedy success. Uh, we'll also be having a look at what will be the last part of our uh, Christmas marathon, uh, which is the classic uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, we'll also be talking about some trailers and some one old, one new, and some Twitter questions and all that jazz. Um, dude and a monkey at gmail.com, at Ian Loring, at DudeFoz, at Dude and a monkey. And uh, what what else? Am I missing anything, Mark? Uh, no, just uh, as ever, we always shout out for iTunes reviews. They're uh, greatly received. And, of course, any feedback is also greatly received. Boom. Um, so let's get on with this shit. Uh, what have you been watching for trailers this week, Mark? Um, I mean, there's been, a, there's been actually a, a few out this week. Um, I, I watched <laughs> the trailer, well... A teaser, I'd say, more for The Expendables, which is just a load of guys walking. Um, but I'll be honest, it it, it, I, it still made me go, yeah, all right, all right. Really? Two, two was a really? bit. Yeah. Which it, it's one of those things where I, I don't think there'll be a point where I won't go into an Expendables movie going, yeah, all right, I'm up for this. I might come out a bit at the end going, that's a bit shit. But I don't think there'll ever be a point where I'll come out of it and go, that's a bit shit, and I didn't really enjoy it. I've enjoyed both the Expendables movies. If people say they don't like them, I think they're shit, fine with that. Um, I would never kind of argue and say that they're great movies. But I've enjoyed both of them to an extent. So, fuck it, yeah, I'm up for it. Um, the, again, teaser for uh, Interstellar. Um... Very much like uh, Nolan, he's, he's kind of using the kind of cachet that he's got now to, to just go out and do whatever the fuck he wants. The, uh, the thing is, the thing is with that, sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. It feels to me like Nolan's almost seeing how obtuse he can be with his teaser material. Yeah. You know, it, it's 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 getting to that point for me where it's almost like I want to see how I can get people in using my name and abstract images. And I like the voiceover. I like the idea of like kind of mankind losing its sense of discovery and that and 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 that causing problems. And if you if apparently if you look into what the film's actually about, it is something to do with like like farming mm. basically destroying the earth or something and food supplies being exhausted so that kind of ties into it but it reminds me of the man the first man of steel teaser where people online could would think shit that looks really interesting and people online have said about interstellar it looks really interesting me no frankly but to the average lay person who's seeing this attached to the, of the Hobbit, the desolation of Smaug, it's just going to be, what the fuck was that? I think part of it, it is is very much the reason why I, I'm interested is because if, if you look at the people involved, um, Nolan for me is you know he's got a you know a hundred percent record. I, you know I'm a huge uh, Nolan fan, um, and I think that. It's. It was always going to be interesting to see what he was going to do um, after the Batman movies because now he doesn't have that 
that kind of bit where he goes, right, I'm going to make a movie, then I've got to do another Batman movie. Now, he's got, he's got sort of whatever. He can do pretty much, for, as long as the next two or three movies make money, he's pretty much got the fucking keys to the city. He can do whatever the hell he wants um, because he's made so much money for the studios. No, absolutely. I mean, it, it just... I, I mean, I I will obviously see Interstellar, like, probably first day. I'm very, very, very intrigued. It's just this this teaser, it feels like... It, I, I, I don't know. It just it didn't grab me at all. If I didn't know who Christopher Nolan was and I watched that teaser, I it, it just it wouldn't get me. And I, people might say well, you're just not putting enough thought into it or whatever. And it's just like, no, no. Oh, no, I, I can completely see, see that. If that wasn't Nolan and it wasn't, you didn't know externally all the people who were involved, it it's not it's not the most grabbing of, of teasers. But I think it's the fact that it's the first bit we've seen of of what I think is going to be one of the massive movies of next year. I... Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly, I, I very, very much hope so. Believe me, I very, very much hope so. But I, I don't think this was a very wise way to start off the campaign. Like, it, it, I mean, it, in a way, it is good that it, it, it is so abstract and it's not showing you anything. I mean, one of the big complaints about trailers these days is that, you know, oh, they just show you everything that happens in the movie. They spoil all the best bits. Mm. Here... I certainly hope they're not spoiling the best bits because otherwise I'm totally <laughs> fucked. Um, so it, I mean, that, there's, there's not a lot going on here, is there? No, but I mean that. But you know, I mean, like there are that there are other. There's particularly another teaser that came out that I'm sure we'll talk about. Well, I know we'll talk about that just had an image that was strong and kind of was a statement of intent. And the thing is, I think in a way, the Interstellar teaser is a statement of intent. But if the film was that teaser, well, it's not going to be because it's a Christopher Nolan massive budget blockbuster. But it's not a it's not a summer blockbuster. It's not a it. I think in a way, this is maybe Nolan going, look, this isn't a Batman film. Well, yeah, but it I mean, Inception, a... in, by that rubric, I mean, Inception wasn't a summer blockbuster, but it still came out in the fucking height of summer. Yeah, well, well then, but I think with the early kind of teasers for Inception were quite scaled down. It was only once we started getting... But they had interesting ones. shots in. I Actually, do you know what? Let me, I, I just want to, if you don't mind, I want to have a really quick look at the first teaser for Inception. Yeah, cool. Because it's only like a minute long, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I remember it being short. Okay, so I'm going to, like, talk through this while I'm watching it. Okay, so, okay, first off, I've got an advert, which I can skip into one, Go. zero, skip. Okay. Following preview has been approved, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so you've got the Warner Brothers logo swooshing. You've got the... Top spinning, the director of the Dark Knight. You got the booms on the soundtrack. Uh, you've got uh, Lucas Haas being take, like dragged away while Leonardo DiCaprio looks on. You got the water spinning at an angle. 
you've got the tagline, your mind is the scene of the crime. You've got, oh, okay, here we go. You've got a shot of Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the spinning room uh, and jumping around all over the place. You know, so, bloody hell, the booms. Yeah, there we go, the booms are keeping on. And you've got that quite cool design where it's like in a city and then it pulls out and reveals the title. So the, the thing about that is there is a money shot, even in a teaser that's about a minute long, mm. there is... You know, you've got the stuff with Joseph Gordon-Levitt spinning around in the room, and you've got the what the fuck was that? Do you think with the the Interstellar one, do you think there's a slight bit of this whereby the studio have said we want to put a teaser in front of Hobbit, and Nolan's gone, "Um, I haven't got enough for you to do it. He's gone, we want to put a teaser, and he's gone, right, give me a week and he's given him it and gone it's that but that's that's like half a percent of what you're actually going to get I think it'll be I think this could be one of those films where we won't get an actual trailer until maybe the April yeah like early summer yeah the early summer releases I think I, 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 I agree with you there's no money shot in that that, that trailer at all the money shot is, this has got Matthew McConaughey in it, and he can do no fucking wrong at the moment. But then again, to a broader audience, okay, Magic Mike, but when was the last time Matthew McConaughey was in a massive, massive, massive film? I mean, he's he's had a very, very good 2012, but I'm not taking that, uh, 2013, sorry, I'm not taking that away from him at all. You know, like, an amazing couple of years from an actorly point of view. But I think part of that is he's, he's still out there, and people... People, the non-kind of hardcore films, the people who've watched sort of things like Killer Joe and things like that, are still seeing that he's out there and seeing that he's in these great movies. They might not have seen these great movies, but the name is still out there and everything, and he's still going on fucking X TV show and Y TV show, so he's still out there. And plus, he's going to be in Wolf of Wall Street. Granted, probably probably about ten minutes apparently, but yeah. uh, he's still going to be out there. He's still hot shit at the moment. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's the thing is, I sound, I sound really down on this. It's just, I think what you were saying there was exactly right. It's, it's the kind of the same fate that befell um, John Carter. The, the first teaser for that, which barely had anything in it. It had that weird yeah, uh, that cover of My Body Is a Cage, mm. uh, and uh, it was just there, there was, there was nothing done. So it was like a mood piece, which, is, which in a way is what this teaser is. It's just. I, I don't know. It, it, I, I like I like the ideas and whatnot, but it, it, it I, I just I needed I needed something. I needed an image that was interesting. Hmm. Um, we're segueing on nicely, actually, and going back to the booms. We got our first trailer for Transcendence. Hmm. Uh, I just watched this just before we recorded the full trailer. Yeah, the uh, which is you know of course because another interesting thing about Interstellar is that it's you know it's it, him not working with Wally Pfister for the first time in a, a few films, um, and of course Transcendence is Wally Pfister's um, directorial debut uh, with a fucking hell of a cast he's brought in there. Um, it also looks like Johnny Depp might actually be making an interesting film where he doesn't get to just be the Johnny Depp character, um, which he's kind of phoned in for, what, 10 years now? 
Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to, to that, really. Um, the, 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 I will say, I, I, I like the trailer, but I, I will really say, I could see the possibility for hammy, evil CG Johnny Depp. Yeah, you you hope in a way that uh, it doesn't go down that route. That that Fister's the way Fister likes to do things. I, I I could see that not really. I think he's too smart to let something like that happen. Sure. Um, we'd hope. Um, I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. It looks like a fucking interesting um idea. It looks like an interesting film. We know it's gonna be gorgeous because that's Fister. what that's what Fister does. The um but the the thing is is can he can he create tension, can he create mood without just the the you know, without just having to rely on on his visuals alone. Can he can he kind of can he direct essentially? It, it is, I'll say I'll, I'll say this now. I bet I bet he planned the shooting. Would you mean yeah? I bet he planned the shooting because he wanted his consciousness uploaded into a computer. Yeah. I, I just I like I the, the, even though the thing is I'm the film I'm thinking it is which is unfair because there's no evidence of this but I just got in my mind the '90s cyber thriller like 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 hackers or um or Johnny Mnemonic or Strange Days you know yeah. which is is probably really unfair. But the kind of stuff I'm expecting to happen in this is that, and yet it's Wally Fister, so I shouldn't. But I mean, we'll we'll see. You know, I mean, it's what? It's April next year. Yeah, April. It's not actually that far away, really. Actually, I tell you what, I reckon a trailer for Interstellar could be attached to Transcendence. It would make complete sense. Same studio, yeah. filmmaker connection. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that certainly. Because Nolan's producing Transcendence, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, yeah. It, and it's it's a lot of the regular Nolan cast in there mm. as well. Um, and then the the last one, uh, Ian. I'm gonna let you take this one. Okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've got a few others I can talk about as well. Oh, but go, I'm assuming... go, to them, go to them first, and we'll, we'll finish. We'll finish on on the big one. Okay, great. Um, nice one. Um, so yeah, the full trailer for the Grand Budapest Hotel, which I'm I'm very very up for. I, I really really like Moonrise Kingdom. So, uh, fuck yeah, I'm loving the changing aspect ratios. Um. How to Train Your Dragon 2, which apparently includes a massive plot spoiler that the filmmakers didn't actually want in the in the trailer, which is interesting. Uh, I'm assuming it's a reveal about a certain character. Um, but yeah, looks like more How to Train Your Dragon goodness. Um, it's interesting that they've kind of like they've made Hiccup look considerably older. Mm. Um, I, I think the idea of time having passed is is a very interesting one. So I'm up for that. Um, Red Band for 22 Jump Street. Oh, God, yeah, I completely forgot about that, yes. Yeah, I was kind of surprised, yeah. actually. Um, um, yeah, uh, laughed numerous times during it. Um, I, I, it's going to be interesting, because I've heard the filmmakers say that they're trying to hit a balance where people kind of want the same thing again, but want something different done with it. Yeah. And like the the jokes, obviously the meta jokes in in this trailer are very much looking to that. I I do hope that because it, it does kind of look like it's this time Channing Tatum is the cool kid and it's Jonah Hill who's kind of left out in the cold. It, and it it yeah. does look like that, which I'm a little bit worried about. But then again, you don't go to the, these films for for plot. 
So as long as it's got the same sense of humour and well done action sequences, I, I'm sure it'll be fine. I think it's the the thing I think that made the first film was the fact that Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum have a great comedic chemistry, um, and I, I think that the fact that they are kind of they are friends outside of the film kind of carried quite well into the film and you mm-hmm. did care about their friendship I think which was a, a strange thing about 21 Jump Street is the fact that at the centre of it all was, wasn't was what they were doing it was the fact that, that their friendship was breaking down and it was it, 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 it has the potential 22 Jump Street to just to not be able to it, it's the lightning in a bottle thing that um the Anchorman 2 had the potential to, to fall foul of um, where nobody expected 21 Jump Street to be a good film when it was announced yeah. it was well that's going to be that's going to be shit why the fuck are they making that wasn't even a good TV series and then when it arrived it's like holy fuck that was brilliant and yeah. 22 Jump Street has the potential to be the film that people thought 21 Jump Street was going to be absolutely yeah yeah no that's Sorry, I got a bit of wind. Yeah, no, that's absolutely, absolutely bang on. So we'll see. You know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to it with, with bated breath based on the trailer, but I am still looking forward to it. So Yeah. Uh, and I uh, watched the Red Band for Cheap Thrills, which has been getting um, a, a fair bit of buzz coming out of Fantastic Fest and whatnot. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of intrigued to see where it goes. I've got a feeling it's going to be a bit of a one-watch, but um, I'll, I'll watch it. You know, I'm, I'm sure it'll be on US VOD sometime in the new year. Um, so, I don't know, it'll probably get reviewed on this show at some point yeah. um, or talked about. And, uh, yeah, okay, so the, the the big one, I suppose, then, is the teaser for Matt Reeves' Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which was the, tra- the trailer I was referring to when talking about Interstellar. Yeah. This is a great tease. It gives you an idea of who's in it 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 gives you an idea of the visual style it gives you an idea of the plot and it gives you a fucking fantastic image Mm. it's all i wanted you know i mean i was already going to go and see this film but just the the idea of like of caesar kind of like holding up his hand and like ushering on his forces is very very exciting as is the idea of gary oldman versus a bunch of cg apes that's fine by me. I'm very excited. Yes, it it does. It does look very good. Um, it, it, like I say, it's it's a great teaser trailer. Um, I, I was I mean I was surprised about about how much I I enjoyed um, the the first one to be honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. It was a surprise for everybody. Was the first one. That's that's the thing. It, it it really slightly came out of nowhere. I mean, it was it was rushed into production. It was it was a very very quick shoot. It was the summer where Fox had both X Men and Rise of the Planet of the Apes, where people were just saying the, these films are going to be absolute disasters. You know, they they've commissioned them far too quickly. I, like Rise of the Planet of the Apes, even with the amount of CG involved, I think it was about it was about fourteen or fifteen months from pre-production to out in the cinema. Which is really insane. quick. It, that's absolutely insane, especially with like a fairly rookie director in Rupert Wyatt at the time. And I mean, X Men First Class. It was, I think it was, I think it was just less than a year, 
but the, and then again, with X-Men First Class, I think that comes across at moments, I mean, particularly with Michael Fassbender's wandering accent. I think it comes across um, a lot. Yeah, that, that's, that, that, that's, that's fair enough. I, I, I'm, I'm fond of that film, but I... I I, I think those kind of, those kinds of criticisms could be leveled at it. It's not something I'd argue with you about. Um, now this, I mean, they they they've had more time. Uh, Matt Reeves is a decent director. I can't. Uh, I mean, like Cloverfield's great, and so he can obviously handle monster stuff and CG implementation. I wasn't massive on Let Me In, I, it, but you know, it was what it was. I don't think he did anything bad with it. Um, so, you know, why not? The cast is great. I mean, Jason Clark feels like, he, he feels like the next Sam Worthington in terms of what they're doing with him, like putting him in big films, except Jason Clark can actually act. act. Well, Jason Clark's been, a, he's been a very, he's been on the peripherals for years. Yeah. Um, and he, he's been very much the, you know, he's, he is a, a proper character actor. He's one of those who's been, going about and then happened to get a role in Zero Dark Thirty and everyone was like, fucking hell, this guy, good. And then I think it's what's happened to him is what happens to a lot of character actors where a lot of roles start coming to him and he starts actually getting offered actual money to be in films and he's in big films. The good thing about Jason Clarke is is you are, bless you, is he's always very good in things. He might not yeah. be in great films all the time, but he's always really fucking good. And the fact that I don't know, it's it, it just it feel it, 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 he he feels right for that film, to be honest. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It, it's um, yeah, I'm I'm really 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 looking forward to it. I I don't have too much more to um to to say, but it's when's that? Out? I, it's going to be one of it is summer next year. I think it might be July. July, yeah. yeah, that's right. It moved into the slot that Fast and Furious Seven had. Oh, gosh, yeah, that's important. Uh, and that that was July. It's like July the twenty something. So uh, yeah, I I think that is going to be one of the big films of next year, oh, especially yeah. when you haven't got Fast Seven competing with it now as well. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be huge. I, I'm just praying that it's actually that it is good. Yeah. So we'll see. Um. Okay, so that was a, a long trailer section, fair play. Um, so, but then again, we haven't done a proper show for two weeks, so I suppose that's why. Uh, but let's let's move on. Let's have a clip from Adam McKay's Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues, and then we'll get into it. And as always, folks, full spoilers, and in terms of people in the film, there, there are spoilers to be had. In the 70s, they were an elite unit. With names like Brick, Champ, Brian, and Ron, they rose like the Phoenix, and then they were gone. Their legend became but a whisper, told by the trees, until now. We're starting a 24-hour news channel, and we want you. I'm going to do the thing that God put Ron Burgundy on this earth to do. Have salon quality hair and read the news. This just feels right. The news team is back. Welcome to the Hades, baby. Is that your foot between my legs? No. Oh. It's my hand. Your hair looks like wet popcorn. I like the parts of your face that are covered with skin. 
Okay, so that was Anna McKay's Anchorman Command the Legend Continues, starring Will Ferrell, David Koechner, Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, Christina Applegate, Megan Good, uh, and others. Um, so, Mark, what did you think of Anchorman the Legend Continues? I thought the Anchorman, uh, Anchorman to Legend Continues, um, it, it's a film that I think a lot of people were very worried about, excited about, but very worried about because it's... It's nine years since the first movie. Uh, they were none of these guys were, were massive stars um, when it when it came out, um, and you know three of the four of them have gone on to become quite you know big stars. Yeah. Um, and so there was there was a worry there. Um, my thoughts, um, and we'll get into them more as we go along. Of uh, Anchorman Two is when it's on. It's on, and it is yeah. fucking great, and it is yeah. very, very funny, and the jokes uh, um, are, you know, uh, do get you, and they, they are incredibly, you know, well written and well thought. But when it's off, it is it, it, at, at points you are kind of wanting to just fast forward past certain bits. Um, there's they they tried to throw an awful lot at it, and a lot of it not only doesn't stick, it, it doesn't even reach it to stick at it. It is that bad. Um, on a whole, I think it's there's enough. There's certainly enough there on a whole, but there is. I mean, it's it's two hours long. Um, and I think in the, and the first one was 95 minutes. I think quite easily you could take half an hour out of this movie uh, and you'd have a much better movie, without question. I yeah I I agree with that uh, pretty much entirely. Um, I love 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 Anchorman. It was my number two film of the noughties back on Cinerama when I did my. Um, uh, top films of the decade uh, list, and the the thing about the first Anchorman is it's got this weird underdog kind of thing where it doesn't quite have the budget that you feel like it wants to have, mm. and the the cast are all very very hungry, and you know they it, it, they're all wanting to really do great like great work and and stand out. With Anchorman 2, there's a feeling of confidence about the thing, uh, in in terms of production value, in terms of the uh, in in terms of the cast and cameos, and also in in terms of the fact that 
with this one, they're actually trying to say something about the real world. Yeah. And for me, that was a mistake. I don't... And it's something that can also be waged particularly at the other guys, mm. where at the end of the other guys, you've got a credit sequence with stats about the financial crisis, you know, while Rage Against the Machine plays. Yeah. And also, after you've just watched the other guys. Yeah, which, after which, which you've I, just I, watched... I love the other guys. It's a great film. Yeah, yeah, so, so, do I, so do I. It just, like... Adam McKay is a very, very socially conscious, conscious person. You follow, like, you follow him on Twitter, you see that straight away. And good on him for it. But to be honest, I don't go to Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues, for thinking about the 24-hour news cycle and how it, it you know, it it's creates, a bad thing. It, yeah, it creates the sake of it. Yeah, yeah, how it creates news for the sake of it. And the, the whole thing about Burgundy sign-off being, don't just have a good night, have an American night. It, it's, not, it's not stuff that I want in my Anchorman. And it's satire, which just goes down a bit like a lead balloon for me, to be honest. And the thing is, it is, it is the fact that it, it is that length. And you've got that also tied in with a third act, which kind of just was dead on arrival for me. Mm. Burgundy in the Lighthouse is a weird fucking subplot that it just... It, it's, it's almost like they had three scripts and went, which one do we do? Well, it was almost like they chose parts of it because yeah. the film—I mean, the film is super messy. Oh yeah. Like the, the amount of stuff that's kind of raised but then not really addressed, like the the Steve Carell, Kristen Wiig subplot is basically a few isolated comedy sketches, and then bang, they marry at the end. Which, which I'll um, be honest, those bits were fucking terrible. I I, I liked. Um, Carell acting like an ape trying to protect her when the other woman was having a go at her. I thought that was pretty solid, uh, but that that I like a monkey. You, you, so. you do like monkey. That that for me, I, I I was I was a little bit embarrassed for it at that point. It, That's but, fair. but for me, it was like it, 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 it did nobody on 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 set um, with all of their comedic awards and accolades go. Hang on, can I just put a hand up? Yeah, what? Um, this isn't funny. It just... Apparently, they added more of it because they thought it was funny. Well, then, <laughs> then, then that's fucking worrying. Yeah, I, but I mean, you've also got the whole uh, the owner of the studio making them cut that story, and you know, be, it, it, and and that it feels like they are trying to say something there, mm. but then there's no resolution. It's just like I shouldn't have cut it. It was a good story. Well, no, you shouldn't have cut it because. It's journalistic integrity, like they say in the film, but then it's just brought up again in the end. Also, I've got to say, the ending, it, the film just fucking stopped. <laughs> yeah. Like, you've got, the, you've got the wedding, and you've got him, like, messing about with the shark, and then it just stops. <laughs> I, I, it just... But, but the thing is, the thing is, though, I, uh, I gave it four out of five on Letterboxd. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, even though, do you know, actually, I'm going to change that because I have got too many problems with that, it. That, I would, 
I didn't dislike Anchorman 2. I, I, there was enough, I didn't dislike it at all. There it was just... easily enough, and we'll come to the, the good bits in a minute, there was easily enough great bits in it to make it well, you know, to make me have enjoyed it easily enough. Um, but I would say four out of five, very generous. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go three and a half because... I, I, I'd give I... it a seven out of ten. Yeah, Certainly. there you go. And it'd be a strong seven out of ten. Um... Well, four out of five is an eight out of ten in fairness, Buzz. Yeah, but I, I just think that it just, it, I, I couldn't go any higher than a seven. Yeah, no, that's 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 fair. And the thing is, though, I think when I watch it on on Blu-ray in the future, I, you know, I I think I may I may well be more into it. I'm I'm very very prepared for that because I'm not going to be in an audience where people were laughing at every single every oh, single little thing. Yeah, that's why. And also. Just because I, I want to start getting into some positives, I feel like we kind of ragged on the film a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I yeah, sure, sure. Like, but there's an awful lot in the trailers that isn't in the films. Yeah, yeah. An awful lot, and like pretty kind of like standout bits in the trailers that were in pretty much all of the trailers that just aren't in the film. Which again kind of backs up the idea that this was. They, they probably shot an awful lot and then picked bits to go into it, and it, it, that can explain why it is so messy. Yeah, and, and, and I, I mean, the thing is, the producer on the film is Judd Apatow, who's a man who's never met a, a film he didn't think was too long. Mm. You know, uh, so... And, and the thing is, it again, it's the confidence thing. It's the, we'll leave it in there, because people will find they will find it funny, yeah. You know, and, and I think I mean like because I mean the confidence thing is all over the place. I mean even in the in the promotion for the film, which which has been all encompassing, I can't remember a non-summer blockbuster film that's had this amount of marketing. Oh no, I mean the market was was. I mean I can't remember a, a, a film that's had this sheer amount of marketing in terms of the fact that. Will Ferrell uh, slash Ron Burgundy has, has appeared on numerous news shows as an anchor. Yeah. Um, the amount of trailers, the amount of posters, the amount of TV spots, it has been... You know, they have thrown a lot of money behind it, and this film's got to... Really, has got to pull in over $100 million to, to kind of make back. Which it will. I mean, it, it, it's on to do over forty million for like five days in the US. It's gonna do oh, enormous it, numbers over here. It'll be fine. It'll, you know? it, yeah, it'll make it'll make a lot of money. But it also backs up on that that theory that you can market the shit out of a movie just to make money. Yeah, that's yeah. No, I mean, I I think that's fair. But I mean, it's also the goodwill for Burgundy as well. But I mean, look, yeah. getting on to the positives though. Like you say, when it's on, it's it's, on. it's amazing. I mean, the one uh, to be honest. I mean, like this was this was a line that actually you couldn't hear anything being said for the next for a solid twenty seconds in my screening because people were laughing so much. But it's that bit where Brick Tamlin says, "I get followed by a black person, but only during daylight." And then Ron just looks at him and goes, Brick, I think that's your shadow. Yeah. That that was amazing. I it the, the some of, I think some of the, the best things in this film are Brick saying stuff and people reacting to it. 
Or like you know, the, the, when when the uh, Megan Good shouts at Brick, and he's hiding, uh, and, and then they're trying to coax him out. Like I like I like that stuff. I like Brick's interactions with them. I think Brick having interactions with another Brick-like person is probably not a good idea. I think with with Brick, he works very well as a background character, as as sure. as a. As a, as a sidekick character, almost. When you bring him into the foreground, all those eccentricities and everything, it becomes too much, and it becomes it becomes too glaring. And especially when you put him next to somebody who is supposed to be doing the same as him, but he's doing it by just saying weird things. That uh, yes, uh, that's a good point. With Carell, it feels it, it it feels weird to say it, but it feels more lived in. Yeah. Kristen Wiig literally seems like she's trying to think of funny things to say. That's a good point. Yeah, and not only just funny things to say, just random things to say. Mm. And it, it, that, that's where those bits fell flat. But yeah, the you know the brick hiding when she shouts at her. And it, like you say, it's, it's as much the reaction of the... Is he hiding? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, and then Ron turned on saying, could you sing like a sweet, soothing siren song at him? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, no. Um, you know that that was great that those bits worked, but then stuff like the the brick at his funeral bit that didn't kind of work as well. I, I gotta say, actually, I liked that. that you're, you're not dead, and like that, that those worked, inter- yeah, I thought that on, was pretty good. It went on for way too long. I don't know. I like that. I bit, thought it went on for way too long. They they they, the, the, they dragged far too much out out of that one joke. That, that would have been funnier had they just gone, had he just been there going, then they're going, you're not dead, Brick, you're not dead, and him just going, well, I, I, I'm not dead. But the, the wailing kind of was a little bit like. I liked it. Mm. The, I could have done without the Kentucky Fried Bats bit going on for as long as it did. I mean, Champ, kind, bless him, David Kirkner tries his best, but that is the one character who feels like they could have left him behind. <laughs> yeah, like he'd actually died, yeah. Yeah, 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 it, 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 yeah. It just nah. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I thought Paul Rudd was good value if underused. Um, the the smoking crack bit was fantastic. Yeah, I, uh, I, I did like the fact that that was a continued joke throughout the the movie. Yeah, of, of the fact that that Ron Burgundy may have developed a slight crack addiction. Yeah, uh, yeah, was, absolutely. Was great. And the fact that with the that that joke worked. There was a couple of jokes where I laughed out loud and nobody else did yeah there, there, there were a couple of like asides like quick things that people said that i remember laughing but didn't hear anybody else yeah um that, that and the, the the uh the crack one was was one that nobody else seemed to laugh at no i like i like the crack one um but no, I mean, I thought I thought Megan Good was was solid um i thought christina yeah. applegate was again underused um uh but but I didn't give a fuck about the kids, but you know oh, they have really to have some sort of emotional I breakthrough in this. James but... Marsden was was interesting. James Marsden, yeah, I could have done with more of him. I Again, could have done with more, yeah. His his was a character where it feels like he was more, he was much more of a focus. There was more of a rivalry, yeah. And then they cut it down. And, and, and as well, um, I, I think I think they missed a little bit of a trick with him later on in the film. Because they just go back to calling him Jack Lime yeah. later on in the film. And it's like, really? Shouldn't you be calling him Jack Lame? 
and, and kind of almost emphasising the fact that he's now called Jack Lame. Yeah. And the fact that like, for the fight scene at the end, they're still calling him Jack Lime. Mm. And it's a bit like... Uh, mm. And I've got to say as well, that, that like after all those cameos, oh. and there were solid cameos, Marion Cotillard, what the fuck was she doing in there? That was great. There was some great and, cameos. There was some cameos where I kind of went, I, I don't understand this. I don't, I don't know why that's there. Like who? Drake. Which one was Drake? He was the Ron Burgundy fan that was running the, um, what is it, stand? The, the hot dog stand. What? Outside the street, outside the street, I think it was a hot dog stand or a newspaper stand or something like that. I don't even remember that. But him, I, 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 I just, I don't get the Kanye West one. I don't get it at all. He's not. I, 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 I didn't think he was very good. But the thing is, what Kanye West is, um, on a musical level, the guy has the potential to be, no, no, has the capacity at points to be very, very good. As an actual person, if you see him in interviews or anything like that, aside from his massive ego, he has no charisma at all. Sure, sure. He's just, he's an incredibly bland guy. And he's a weird looking guy as well. You know, he's got a pear-shaped face. You know, he he looks he looks like a human bow selector mask. He's a fucking weird-looking guy. And it just seems like, of all the people you could have got to have done that, be that person, you know, the scope of people you could have got, why get Kanye West? You know, he's a prick... He's got, like I said, no charisma, and it just—it felt like he was going, "Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Anchorman, yeah, and I'm gonna say these things, and don't really understand anything that's going on." It's a, it's a pop culture thing, it, you know. It, it is, and, and the the problem is, pop culture. When you start inserting too much pop culture into a film, it'll be great for that ten minutes. Mm. But then in a year's time, you go, oh, fucking hell. But I mean, but, but balancing that, you have Harrison Ford turning into a werewolf and a quick discussion about whether the Minotaur, a Minotaur had a place in On this fight channel. because he's not technically an historical... Yeah, which was great. Um, which was fantastic. The, the Kirsten Dunst being an angel thing was great. Uh, I could have yeah. done without Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Um but the Jim Carrey and Marion Cotillard. You see, that, that is a cameo. Because I didn't know yeah. she was in it. I didn't know Jim Carrey was in it. That is a cameo. To be fair, I didn't know West. Will Smith was in it. I, I didn't know Will Smith was in it. That's a great cameo. Yeah. Um, but the Kanye West one, that's not a cameo. Because everyone knows he's there. You know, it, it's there's got to be some kind of fucking hell to a cameo. Not a... Kanye West is in this. Or did we tell you Kanye West is in this? This is Kanye West on set being an arsehole. Kanye West... Kanye... It, it, that's just... He was in it for a little yeah. bit. I mean, I, I also think that, you know, you've got all of that, and then the second part of the fight, who turns up... Oh, it's Vince Vaughn. Like, when the... When the put... Oh, yeah. When they walked up in the mo- on the motorbikes and the helmet on, I was thinking, like, who the fuck is this? Well, it, you know, like, oh, I, 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 I can't... You know, you know, who the fuck is this going to be? 
And then, oh shit, it's Vince Vaughn. Yeah, great, Dorothy Mantooth was a saint, whatever. Yeah. It, 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 it just, it, that was the last, after, after the big fight, I, I just, I was completely switched off. You had, you had Vince Vaughn coming in and, and James Marsden's like final scene, which was lame. You had the recital and then you had the wedding and then it just ended. Like the final five minutes of this film didn't send me off on a fucking A. It was just like, uh, right, that was that. Yeah. No, yeah, I but it wasn't terrible. It's it's not I don't think it's I don't think it's a comedy sequel that's gonna go down in history as a terrible sequel. It's not even though I don't agree with this, it's not Ghostbusters two. No, it, 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 there's certainly enough there. Yeah, I mean that's the I, 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 there's certainly enough that's funny. I do hope that they don't do a third one. No, I, 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 I'm the same as that. I hope they don't do a third one. I think. Uh, yeah, and I, 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 frankly, I would say with Adam McKay, if you want to do your socially conscious stuff, don't do it in films where you've got characters like Brick and Ron Burgundy. Yeah. It, it just, it, it doesn't work, and... I know you're trying to say something that will actually get through, get seen by the masses and whatnot, but it just it doesn't click. No, it doesn't. It just yeah, I, I I'm the same. I, I if they if they said they were going to do a third one, I'd be very much like oh, I don't really want to see this because yeah, I, I think I, I think they exhausted yeah. every joke they had left in this one. Yeah. But you know, definitely not shit. Definitely, definitely not, shit, not shit. So, so I mean, that that's a win in itself, I think, frankly. Yeah. Um, but okay, let's uh, take a short break for some podcasts uh, that we like and promos and whatnot, and then we'll get back and we will talk about some one old and one new. It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. For sake, the manager, you'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I could handle anything. Action. <laughs> Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. <laughs> And romance. Now he's decided it's time to go back for just one more adventure. Humans are such an easy prey. Noel Miller presents. You're the problem, you little shit. The Adventures in VHS podcast. Join me, Noel Mellor, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures in VHS or visit adventuresinvhs.com. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I've ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. 
Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspunter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, you wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody... <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. I'm Sarah from GorePress.com, and along with my co-host Phil, we present the GorePress Gorecast. But Sarah, what is the GorePress Gorecast? Well, Phil, I'm glad you asked. It's a weekly show in which we review horror movies, discuss our love for the genre, and generally just blunder through, showcasing our startling ineptitude at podcasting. Hello, and welcome to another... Go- oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake, no, that's not helping! That sounds ridiculously professional. That can't be all we do, can it? It certainly isn't. We also try and talk a little bit about what we've watched recently and selflessly plumb the depths of B-Movie Hell so we can inform you, our loyal listeners, about what to watch and what to avoid. Well, that just sounds dandy. Where could I find such a podcast? Well, Phil, you can subscribe to us by searching for the new Gorepress Gorecast in iTunes or you can find us at gorepress.com. So much knowledge about this film. And we are back, and it's time for some One Old, One New. Uh, Even though, actually, I should say, today it's going to be One New, One New, uh, just because, uh, apart from one of the films we're going to talk about, we want to kind of go through some 2013 stuff, considering the time of year. So um, I don't think it's anything that's going to be in uh, top tens at the end of the year or anything like that, but we'll talk about them anyway. Uh, Mark, why don't you start us off? I'll start off with the um, non-2013 film, uh, one um, new film that I watched. Is that a 2013 film? Um, But I haven't watched that much old uh, in the past sort of week or so. Um, I watched uh, the other day uh, the remake of Straw Dogs, uh, I'm going to assume, Ian, you have seen this because yeah, you've got yeah, Alexander yeah. Skarsgård in it and your good lady wife has a bit of a passion for it. She hasn't seen the film. She but hasn't? My, my, no. Wow. Well, no, uh, to be honest, mate, I don't think many women really want to watch the remake of Straw Dogs. Call me crazy. You're crazy? <laughs> no, I can, I, yeah. I mean, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of the, as much as you can be a huge fan of the, the original. Um, I'm a big Peckham Park fan, is what I'll say. And therefore, yeah. I, I, I do... Uh, have a good appreciation for um, for Straw Dogs. Um, so I, I, I went into Straw Dogs 2. Um, strange enough, I went into Straw Dogs 2 because um, Becky was tired and she's got a... She's had a bit of a stressful week because um, she's had a telephone interview for um, a promotion and she was having an interview for a promotion as well. So she was like, I don't watch anything taxing at all this week. So we watched the remake of Straw Dogs because for some reason in my brain I was like, this is going to be a little bit of kind of fluff, essentially. Um, kind of, which is 
masquerading itself as being a quite serious film. And, and that's exactly what the remake of Straw Dogs is. Yeah. Um, the idea is, is um, for anyone who hasn't seen Straw Dogs or the remake of Straw Dogs, or ever heard of Straw Dogs, is you've got a um, successful kind of Hollywood type, uh, a guy played uh, by James Marsden, uh, David Summer, who's played by Dustin Hoffman in the original, but I don't want to keep harking back to the original. Um, and he's going back to his uh, wife's hometown with her, uh, which is a small town um, in Mississippi where uh, Amy, played by Kate Bosworth, grew up. Uh, and he's going back there to write a, a screenplay in this film. Um, it's a very kind of localised, sort of small town, Bible Belt American town. Um, they're having a barn re-roofed uh, and the roofers... Uh, are led by Amy's ex-boyfriend, um, a guy called Charlie, played by Alexander Skarsgård's chest, um, and a load of other um, generic rednecks. Um, you've also got... There's a lot of characters in this film. Uh, you've also got James uh, Woods playing uh, the alcoholic ex-football coach who has a problem with the handicapped um, Jeremy Niles, Dominic, played by Dominic Purcell, um, who has a brother, um, looks after his brother, Daniel, played by the always criminally underused uh, Walton Goggins. Um, for a, for a, I, I, well, I don't remember this much going on in the in the original Straw Dogs. Um, yeah, sure. In, in the original Straw Dogs, it's quite a claustrophobic movie, it's quite an uncomfortable movie, it's quite an angry um, and grimy movie, it's an unpleasant movie, and and as a lot of Peck and Pa's movies are very unpleasant because he was a thoroughly unpleasant person himself. Um, mm. a, a brilliant genius at, at points, but never mind a, a thoroughly unpleasant person. Um, I've spoken about, you know, on the podcast before, <coughs> I love Peck and Pa because of his, um, his film's obsession with the, the kind of fragility of man and the fact that he takes these great... Um, you know, very macho characters, and he, he breaks them down completely to just these, to, to their most base levels and their most, their, just the level of, of, of where he shows the mirror image of just their complete unpleasantness. Um, this film, Strodox, fails in that completely. I can't say I didn't enjoy watching it, because I kind of did, in, in a way, in the way that it, it is quite fluffy, and it bounces along, and it's, you know, it, it's it's far too overblown for itself, um, and it's, it's kind of fun to watch, except for the fact that there is a, the, the whole kind of film hinges upon um, the end siege, which is goes a little bit home alone at points uh, yep. in this movie. Um, and um, the the uncomfortability of the rape scene um, in, in the movie. Um, and uh, director uh, Rod Lurie, um, he deals with the, um, the... which essentially is a gang rape scene. Um, he, he deals with it with such... A, I don't know, an understated, but not in a not in a, a good way. He, it, it's kind of like he goes, well, this is going to happen, so I'm going to do it like this, and it's, 
it's so flimsily dealt with and he kind of almost underplays the the significance and the the uncomfortable the the, the horribleness of, of of the rape scene. It, it's kind of like it, it, he has absolutely no respect for it at all. It's it's quite something um, in a way of where it's not uncomfortable. It's just a really is is that how you're going to deal with that? That's a little bit misguided having a jaunty tune playing along and almost playing as, as if we should feel sorry for um, Alexander Skarsgård's character in this I mean it was what was your oh, thoughts that's on right. it yeah. he's kind of looking like oh I'm not too sure we should be doing this uh, and, and like oh god did, did did I do something wrong here yeah yeah no I remember that I, I, I've been struggling to remember this film but I remember that it's a little I just I felt a little bit like wow you Oh, you you've completely not understood what's going on here, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. It's it's a film. It's a film where I would I, I bought it for three pounds brown brand new on Blu-ray, um, and <laughs> I got I, I got three pounds worth of you. You got three pounds worth from it. Yeah. yeah okay. um, it it's it's by no means very good, but I had enough fun with it. However, I, I did have issues with it. Um, I'm not going to suggest anybody go out and watch it because it's really not that great. But um, it, it, you know, it's the performances are, are, are all right in it. Um, it has a little bit of tension. It's just after it, I was very much of the case of, do you know what that? That, there was no reason for that movie at all. Sure. You could have made a movie very similar to Straw Dogs, not called it Straw Dogs, and it, you would have still got exactly the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's it just it's it's weird as well because like the, the, the like one of the, the the reasons that remakes get made are like like name recognition and whatnot, and it's just. I understand with like Robocop and Evil Dead and Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street, but you know, fair enough. But something like Straw Dogs, it's it's Straw Dogs. It's not. I mean, it's not a film that, it, 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 like the, the 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 mainstream audience are even really gonna have heard of. Yeah. And and, and so it's why what is the point of it being made and. That there is no point. I mean, the, the original Straw Dogs is an incredibly singular piece of work, and it, it feels of its time, and like no other time, basically. Yeah. And it just it doesn't work, and especially I mean, like James Marsden. I like James Marsden, but him in the Dustin Hoffman role. Dustin Hoffman and James Marsden are two apples and oranges actors. Yeah, um, I mean that's not to play anything against James Marsden. James Marsden is no, 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 it's actor, not. But Hoffman is, and especially that era, Hoffman was top of his fucking game. And I mean, it's also just like the physical presence yeah. as well. Like Marsden, I mean, he can do a lot of things, but play in a kind of like a, Weedy a non a non alpha male weedy guy. It, it, it's just, it's not in Marsden's range, no, to be honest. And, you know, and 
I mean, it, it, it's played quite well because um, James Marsden's probably five nine, five ten. Sure. And um, I don't know, Skarsgård's um, seventeen foot four. So you know, Skarsgård can tower over pretty much anybody alive. Uh, and that did that felt all right, but you know Marsden's quite a you know he's quite a physical presence guy you know he's he's a big guy in terms of muscular frame he, you know he looks like he could definitely take care of himself. Yeah, yeah. That, that's 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 pretty much all I would say on it to be honest. It 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 all right. <laughs> Fair play. Go on then, what's uh, your first one new, one new? Okay, yeah, I will talk about a film that's been getting a fair bit of love in kind of like the indie kind of award season-y stuff. It, it, it's like a film that you'll see on, on a lot of website top tens, but like maybe not actually getting any mainstream recognition. This is uh, Ryan Coogler's Fruitvale Station. Um, uh, yes, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of people saying how amazing and wonderful this is. Yeah, um, it's interesting looking at the the letterboxed page for it and looking at the kind of like the ratings distribution where by far the most amount of people have given it four out of five and three and a half out of five is kind of is like next closest. It's kind of seems to be around that um, that mark. And that's to be honest. That's kind of where I am. I, I gave it three and a half out of five on, on Letterboxd. Now, basically, it's based on the uh, a, a true story of a uh, guy who was... He was basically... He was handcuffed. Um, he was slightly resisting, but, you know, and, and for good reason, frankly, given um, uh, abuse that he's getting from uh, police officers. And uh, then he's shot and uh, eventually dies. And the film, and the film starts with what looks like, anyway, the real camera, fo- real camera phone footage. Uh, you don't, even though you don't actually see the shot, it kind of like cuts to black when you hear the shot. Um, and then the the film is like the last twenty four hours or so of this guy's life, and he he was in jail for something. You don't find out what though, which I think is interesting from a based on a true story trying to paint the guy as a as a nice guy kind of uh aspect um but he is you know he is trying to do better um he's got a young daughter he's got a, a girlfriend who he's thinking of asking to marry uh he's got he's got a nice mother and a, a nice grandmother you know and he he's trying to do good but he was let let off he was well he was basically fired from his job for being late a lot um, and he kind of begs for it back and he doesn't get it. And it, it it's basically building up to, well, how the fuck, like, how did he get from here to this place where he gets shot? Now, the, the film basically, for the opening hour, it is kind, it, it, it's insanely heavy handed, the direction. Uh, insanely. And it's also got a score which is full of portent and. You know, there are there are dark clouds brewing. You know, it's it's pretty rough. There's one sequence which is awful, where he sees he's getting some petrol and he sees a dog get run over, 
and he's like staying with the dog and he's comforting this de- this dying dog and it, it's just like oh well you know in 12 hours time you're gonna be just like this dying dog kind of like left alone and 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 there's no one to blame or or those who are are blamed are running off and are being protected and it it, it, it's all dripping with with sub like with subtext but it's really really bluntly handled on screen Mm. um and i mean like there's there's a moment where um his the guy's daughter says like daddy i don't want you to go out tonight i can hear guns guns firing and she's like no and he's like no they're, they're just fireworks it's new year's eve uh no they're just fireworks and it, it's just there, there are things happening in this film that just don't feel like they actually happened and when at the start of the film and at the end of the film you've got real life footage mm. it feels dramatically compromised yeah that it, it i mean and it may maybe maybe this stuff did actually happen but if it did then real life is like a movie and i just i just don't see that um however the performances in the film are fantastic and they they pretty much single-handedly save it uh, Michael B. Jordan in the lead role, who is a bit of an up-and-comer. He was in Chronicle, yeah. uh, a, a strongly rumoured to be the Human Torch in Fantastic Four, which I think could be great casting. And he's going to be um, Apollo Creed, isn't he, in the Creed movie? Oh, he's going to be the new Creed? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. He is great in this. He's got he's got the kind of like the the potential for rage to come out. And, and and but trying to keep it in for those around him. But you know, you always feel like something's going to happen. And the way that he deals with the police, he's not entirely blameless. But then the police are shown to be more disgusting and and, and more abrasive and more offensive than than he is. Mm. You know, it's 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 a film that it, it acknowledges that this guy is not whiter than white, but it kind of does all it can to to try and make him appear so anyway. Yeah. And I, I mean, it, the, I mean, Octavia Spencer and um, uh, Melanie Diaz are both fantastic as well. And the child actor who plays, he plays his daughter is great. It just, for all the fact that the performances are great and the film is incredibly well-meaning and it's trying, trying to tell a genuinely important story. The fact that so much of it rang false for me, it, 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 it does, take away but it is still it's still a recommend for the performances and it does feel like a film that should be watched because of the story it's telling but it's not a film that should be watched for the filmmaking and i was kind of being led to believe that it was but still it's you know it is a film very very much worth watching it's not going to be anywhere fucking near my best of the year list though michael b jordan does give one of the best male acting performances i've seen this year so that is recommended for that frankly cool yeah yeah i'm i've got it to watch but um, i'll be honest i'm not kind of rushing to get it watched I tell you what, it's only about eighty-five minutes long. Oh, is it? Oh. So it, yeah, so it's like it's one of those ones where you want to get some year-end cramming in. You could actually fit it in in a short session. Yeah, oh, well, something like that. I, I, 
It, for some reason, it seemed like one of those movies that was going to end up being like two and a half hours long. Yeah, I kind of thought it was going to be as well. So when I saw it was 84 minutes, I was like, yes, that, that's fine. That'll, it'll sneak in somewhere. Certainly, yeah. yeah. Cool. So uh, what's your next one, you, bud? Uh, my other next new one uh, is The Bling Ring. Um, a movie that I, I kind of went into... Um, with mixed feelings, really. Um, I, I've liked some of Sophia Coppola's movies, and I've not liked others of Sophia Coppola's movies. I can't quite decide whether or not she's um, a a great director who has made a couple of bad movies, or whether or not she uh, is just kind of winging it a little bit. Um, also, I, I remember reading the uh, Nancy Joe Sales um, story, I suppose, the articles that she wrote, um Based on these the events that are, that are sort of depict, depicted in the Bling Ring, um, so we're into kind of looking forward to it, but with a little bit of a mm, is this just going to be a, a lot of sort of pretty images um, and just one of those kind of pop culture movies? Um, it's <sighs> oh sorry, just a second, mate. Um, yep. Donna just said something. Oop. Uh, be back in a sec. Sorry. Don, you okay? Okay. You're alright, though, yeah. Okay. We're not going. Sorry, mate. She just she just dropped something. Sorry. Oh, go on. Cool. Wasn't a baby, was it? Because <laughs> because that, no. that, that 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 would be a fucking surprise. <laughs> yeah, bloody right. Uh, um, yeah. Um. For anyone who doesn't know, the uh, story of the Bling Ring is you've got a um, bunch of California teenagers uh, who essentially start um, robbing celebrities' houses uh, by checking uh, internet blogging sites um, for when they know they're going to be away at various parties. So start robbing them, and they're on the kind of they're on the fringes of that set anyway. So they end up almost kind of mingling with some of these people anyway. Um, some of the people who were uh, robbed were people like um, Adrena Passridge, uh, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it in the actual film, one of the real people that was robbed was um, James Franco, um, who kind of spoke out quite strongly against the film. Um, and um, it's... It's so insignificant, this movie, that I'm surprised at how many best-of lists I've seen it. Um, it's it's presented as a uh, as a satirical kind of comedy, uh, a kind of satirical look at at this the celebrity culture um, and the the possession culture, etc., and things like that. Um, but all the way through it, I was hit with this thing of I'm. I'm not sure whether or not that's the movie they were setting out to make, whether or not it was just that after it, they looked at it and went, oh, this is a bit shit, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit shit. Well, what we do then is if we can edit it cleverly, we can make it look like we always meant for it to be a bit shit and we'll release it as a comedy. I, wow, really? Yeah. I, I disagree with that. I, I don't know. I thought it was a very sharp piece of work, which is just a, a, a very dark comedy about how vacuous these people are 
and how much of a nightmare they are and just how horrible th- th- this this kind of culture is you know and i, I mean like but it, 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 uh, for me it wallows in that and, and celebrates in that far too much i don't think it celebrates it i think it wallows but i think that's the that's the intent coppola is showing you this and she's not letting she's not letting you get out easy you're having to watch these people i mean none of them are sympathetic and i don't i i think oh, that no, was no. intended you know i i i think it is a nightmare on screen uh, and, and you know and i think that can turn people off but in terms of intent i think coppola hits the nail on the head to be honest I uh, it, it I don't know it it just it 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 did nothing for me other than and, and not in the way that I think Coppola was intended it it did nothing for me other than make me go ah I don't care <laughs> that's fair enough I mean you're not you're not the only one to say that I mean when we reviewed it on Heroes I was stunned that it got a unanimous positive review yeah like I I thought there was going to be somebody who was going to come out against it. But no, I, 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 I get, it's not going to be on my be- best of the year list or anything like that. I do think the film has problems. Actually, I'm just going to load up my letterbox because I want to see what I said about it. Because, you know, there are certain things I remember about it, but there are certain things I don't. I mean, I think it's shot very well. It's Harris Savidas, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. There, there, are, there is a couple of, there's a couple of points where it gets a little bit like, oh, fuck off. There's a, there's a particular moment, I think, it, I might even remember exactly, it was a couple of weeks when I watched it, actually. There's a moment where the um, Israel uh, Vurasad, uh, who plays Mark in it, where he is just dancing to camera, wearing, putting on loads of stuff. And Which is funny, man. It's just like, what yeah, the fuck are by, you doing, you bellend? By that point, it had already, I think it had already lost me by that point. And I was already to the point of going, oh, fuck off. I mean, this is this is what I said on it about it. Uh, four stars. A surface level film about surface level people where you don't ever want to identify with them, which is entirely what it feels like Sofia Coppola was going for. And with pitch perfect performances, top cinematography by the late Harris Savidis, and a runtime which just about gets away with a second act which drifts into a sense of monotony, it's absolutely worth a watch. I mean, yeah, I remember now. That's um, one thing I, I, I could I, have I, done with a couple less looking round people's houses. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a film that is ninety minutes, and you could have lost ten minutes out of it. I mean, yeah. fucking hell. Um, I just think that... I agree with the complete level that it's a surface-level film, but I just don't believe it ever goes beneath that surface. It doesn't, it's not, but it's not intending to. Then what's the fucking point? Because it's it's about these vacuous people and the fact that there's nothing to them, so there's nothing to dig into. Just don't make a film about them, then. If there's nothing there and there's nothing... There's no, There's nothing... Beyond, but it's highlighting that these people have nothing to them. I mean, I like to think this will get watched by some fourteen or fifteen-year-old girls who watch my super sweet sixteen and might make them think. I, I, I think, it, I think it's it's more likely to have the complete opposite effect. I don't, I don't think so, man. I don't think so. Like, because these girls are obviously, and the boy are obviously fucking idiots mm. and th- and in the end they're shown up to be but the people you you are going to get 
fucking idiots that will watch it and go, oh, God, they were so cool. I, I'm not I, saying I, every I've single person who watches it just How some. cool a movie and how cool it was. I, I, I was like, how is it cool? It, the, it, it, the fact that they've marketed it as a cool movie. It kind of goes against the idea... Well, what are they going to market it as? Oi, idiot, come and watch this film. I'm going to tell you how much of a fucking dickhead you are for 80 minutes. Why not? If because you... no one's going to see it. But there's nothing to fucking see. It's a bunch of surface-level people <laughs> doing dickhead <laughs> surface-level things. There's nothing to this movie. It is... That's the point. But then why make it? Why make because it's interesting that they made a film like that. I mean, that is fair enough. We, I, I mean, I'll agree to disagree. I know where you're coming from, Mark. I know where you're coming from. I like what they're doing. I like what Sofia Coppola is doing myself. Will you ever watch hey. this film again? Yeah. Will you? Seriously? Yeah, probably. Why? Why? Yeah. Because, I don't know, I the- actually, I like the filmmaking. I like how it looked. I like the performances. I liked seeing these dickheads be dickheads and get caught out as being dickheads. There's a vicarious thrill in watching a bunch of vacuous valley girl dickheads get their comeuppance. I just, uh, for me, there was just, uh, it, see, it won't be in my bottom five movies of the year. It'll be somewhere around the middle. But I just, it finished, and I just, my immediate thought at That's the end of it was, well, what was, the, what was the point in that? There was nothing there. At all. <laughs> at all. It was, it, it, it was, it was, it was like watching water. Have you seen the poster for it? I'm looking at the poster on it on Letterboxd at the moment. It, 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 it says what it is. It's the title and a bunch of girls walk and the boy walking down a street with with stylish clothes on. Yeah. That's what the film... It's the, I mean, it would be like what if Sex and the City was directed... Like a young Sex and the City was directed by Sofia Coppola. That is what this would be. That is this. That is this. Sorry. That is this. But it's like kid. But it's for, like for me, the next for me, generation. It was, it, was, it was like it was. It was like watching. It was like watching Perez Hilton dreaming a Sofia Coppola movie. No, it wasn't because Perez Hilton actually is into that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I think it, I don't think for, Coppola is man. For me, it played more is. for people who would connect with that kind of idiocy rather than would look at it and go, they're fucking idiots. <laughs> you say that, and yet I don't. I, I the last time I checked, I'm not a Valley Girl. No, I, I, I'm not saying, but for me, that's the way I, I, I viewed it. I, I, it didn't. I know those people are fucking idiots. I don't need a movie to fucking tell me they're idiots. I quite enjoy watching these idiots be idiots and get called out on it. I, I, it just, it, 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 it just did absolutely nothing for me at all. Do you know, do you know what? What? Do you know what? Give it 15 years. I'll set my daughter down in front of it. And at the end, I'll say, to her, what did you think of those people? And if she says, oh, they, they were really cool, that was a cool film. for 15 years in an intelligent way. I, I was going to say, I, I, it would be a fail and you can call me out on it. Yeah, but yeah, that's but it. But the thing is, I think she'll look at it 
and she would actually think, and I think that she would have a conversation with me about. I would like to think. You know, that the kids not even here. Is, yeah. is, why did you show me that terrible movie, Dad? Oh, you fucking. <laughs> it's uh, uh, It was. I just it. It was an excuse to show a lot of young, pretty people wearing pretty clothes and to try and call it satire. Now, is, uh, let's talk about a film we kind of agree on. <laughs> yeah. My, brilliant, the biggest buster ever <laughs> was about the fucking bling ring. That's amazing. All right, uh, let's move on. So, uh, my next one new is uh, Brad Furman's latest film, He of the Lincoln Lawyer, a very, very good film with a very good performance by the aforementioned Matthew McConaughey. Uh, but he is back with Runner Runner, starring the dream team of Justin Timberlake and Ben Affleck. Um, I was interested in this film because of Brad Furman. Um, but it came out on a weekend that I think something else came out and I just had a bit too much on and, you know, it, it just it didn't happen and it, it disappeared from cinemas quite quickly. Um, so, yeah, I, story is Justin Timberlake is a guy who's paying for his education through Princeton. He uh, decides to gamble his tuition money to try and get enough money to actually stay in Princeton and he loses it. He then um, finds out that there was some sort of coding thing where he basically got fucked out of his money. So he goes to Costa Rica to uh, somehow confront the uh, the boss of the online company played by Ben Affleck, uh, the fantastically named Ivan Block. And uh, when he's there, Affleck actually offers him a job and it goes on from there. So Mark and I have both seen Runner Runner, and um, based on what you said on Twitter, I think we both think exactly the same thing. This film is 91 minutes. Yep. Um, and it feels to me like probably of the year, the most ob of the films I've seen, the most obviously cut down to the bone, <laughs> trying to appeal to the broadest audience possible edit of a final release film I've seen this year it's literally goes for the barest bones of anything that that it, it, it has to do and patches up entire deleted scenes through Justin Timberlake voiceover Mark yes it is, it is. It's it's. I mean, there, there are so many. It, it bounces along at a, a very quick pace, but explains very very little. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is. It is so a to b, and just doesn't even bother with anything at all. It just goes boom 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 boom, boom finish, and that's it. But by the time it ended. I wasn't. I still wasn't entirely clear on what Ivan Block was doing wrong, and if he was actually like having people killed. Um, like, yeah, just I, what the what? Of how bad is it? Character was actually trying to get him on. Yeah, it, it was, uh, and um, Anthony Mackie's character is just makes no sense at all. He just it's, keeps, no, it's amazing. He just keeps on appearing, doing nothing saying stuff, and then disappearing again. Um, 
I think I, I, I mentioned to you that um, Jim Rathton is very good in it, as she usually is, but literally could have been played by a photo of a person. Her character is that flimsy. I mean, basically, she gets him... She gets him into into a position to confront Block. Mm. She flirts with him and has sex with him. And she helps him out at the end. This is how flimsy this film is. They couldn't even be bothered to have the sex scene in a building. It's just just like round the corner from a pool at a hotel. Yeah. Um, Yeah. it is so fucking rushed. This movie. It's 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 just like the the bit where the um where his friend goes missing. Yeah. By the end of the film, again, I haven't had a clue where that friend went. Oh, had he been murdered I, or no, did he I, run? Anthony, Anthony Mackie um mentions this at one point when he appears on screen, says loads of things for two minutes, and then goes again. Uh, he says, "We found him." Oh, he was a bit beaten we up. Found your but friend, okay. friend barely alive. But, it, but uh, yeah, so I mean, that's uh, you've got that one. I mean, we're kind of spoiling it, but fuck it, it's runner runner. Yeah, it, it, um, it, have you seen the trailer? Then you've seen the film. You've seen the film. I, yeah, it's I mean, it, it's, you you've got the scene where he douses those guys in chicken fat and yeah. then pulls them out, and it's just like, was he actually trying to kill them? Because then he like he has that line where he says, "Oh, I didn't think the crocodiles were actually going to come." Yeah, and it's just I don't know <laughs> if Affleck's character actually thought the crocodiles were going to come or not. It's that sloppy and unclear. And also... It's it's amazing. You don't know whether the athlete's character is a criminal genius or just an (laughs) idiot that's got lucky. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, there's the thing about, you know, it's it's um, it's a Ponzi scheme yeah. and he's using people's bank accounts well, to kind of... Essentially. But then he deposits a shitload of money in, in Justin Timberlake's bank account, but then he's just going to run off somewhere else. I, I, he the just... same thing. I mean, essentially, the idea is that what he's doing is he's getting everybody to... Anybody who's got money in their uh, betting account, he's basically using that money as his own money, and yeah. they're just thinking that they're betting actual money. And all he has to do then is set the programming so they'll lose. So they'll lose this money that they don't actually have because he's got it all. That, that's it. So, that because that, that, that's the thing. So, like, he did actually know that the coding was was trying to take people uh, like was taking people's money it was making them lose games yeah that's he, okay he definitely okay so he knew that that's but the thing is like you you ask like asking these questions and it's almost as if it's because the film is too smart or something and you just didn't get you didn't connect the dots it's not that it doesn't give you the information and what information it does give you is kind of contradicted by other stuff in the film there's one thing this film isn't and it's smart it, yeah, it, but the thing is, it, sorry, go on. No, there is one one thing. It it is like somebody watched on the same night watched the Social Network and Rounders on the same night, and then went, "Oh my god, I've had an amazing idea. What about if we did the Rounders Network? Oh my god." Went with it, it, fucking gold, and then actually tried to write it and went, "Oh well, we've got nothing." <laughs> I mean, it's it's bizarre. It's produced by Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, Affleck's in it. There's some heavy weight 
people here. And in fairness, I actually, I actually thought Affleck was all right. I thought I, I thought he was he was fun. I like yeah, that. Fun, man. Yeah, he's 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 relaxing. He's stretching out before he he goes on to his next thing, and I I quite like that. I mean, the thing is, the, the film feels like it was originally three hours long, mm. and then they decided instead of actually carefully editing, they just take out every other scene and then have Justin Timberlake do some voiceover to explain what happened in that scene. Yeah. And I mean, and Timberlake's character as well. It really doesn't help that his character. I was never really that on side with him. It's almost like you're supposed to be on side with him because he's Justin Timberlake. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like. I don't know. He's a guy who's obviously very, very smart. I think they do say at one point he could walk into any job in Wall Street that he he, he would want to. Yeah. You know, but so it, it, like his motivations. All right. His motivations at first are I was cheated. But then as soon as he gets over there and he's like the the guy who cheats him says, you know, you could just make a shitload of money if you wanted to. It's just like, yeah, all right, then. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it, just it, that, he, he, he flip flops. It's not a hero's so journey. Much. Yeah, in it, it's like it, 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 he goes over there and say, "Look, I've, I've been cheating. I want to go through Princeton because I want to go out and become something." And it's like, and it is, I'll give you loads of money to essentially scam people. And he's like, "Oh, fucking yeah!" And then it's like, you know, we're scamming people. Well, yeah, but you know, it's like, what? Well, it's like, it's like, you know, we, well, you know, but we're making a lot of money, yeah. And then somebody else goes, "You know, you're scamming people," and he's like. Oh fuck, are we? You, you, you knew this, yeah. did yeah, yeah? But I feel a little bit bad about it now because I fucked him and asked him. Um, right, yeah, I'm gonna do something about it. Oh, no, I, I don't want to. I'm making a lot of money. We're gonna kill your dad. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't like my dad. Oh, uh, well, gonna... that's a good point. What would have happened with the dad in the end? Yeah, and and it's and it's like, and then it, it, there's another bit where it, it, it's kind of like. Oh, you know, I don't. Oh, well, I got beat up because of him, so I don't like him now. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take him down. And he just flip flops yeah, between point, everything. Actually, yeah. It, 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 I mean, when Affleck's character says, you know, essentially, I'm gonna give you a shitload of money. I'm gonna make you incredibly rich. If you have to take a beating. You'll take it and then come back and say, what can I do for you now? Yeah, to be that, fair, if I was Affleck's character, I'd probably be like, yeah. That's, you, I just gave you like $200,000. Take a fucking beating. That is the best bit of the film. The, yeah. that, that little Affleck bit where Affleck gets to be Affleck. And at that point, I thought, do you know what? If I was working for Ben Affleck and I got... You don't get beaten up that badly, does he? Let's be honest. No. And then he gave me two hundred grand and went uh, and said, you know... If I actually do that again, are you gonna fucking do it? I'd go two hundred grand. I can still pretty much walk and everything's all right. I've just you know my pretty little face has just got to beat up a little bit. Yeah, all right. Yeah, do you know what? I, I I'm down with this shit. All right, fair enough. Um, let's have a fucking beer. Yeah, that, that, that would literally be it. I wouldn't go fucking crying off into a fucking corner. And I mean, it's it's. I mean, by the end of the film as well. It's like the hero's journey here should have had him go back to uni, but no. He flies off in a private plane with Gemma Arterton. After stealing a lot of people's money. Yeah. Because that's essentially what he's done. You know, he's thought, look, I've got... He's obviously worked out some kind of immunity deal with the FBI. 
Well, I love that bit at the end which, you know, where which... Anthony Mackie's just like, stop that guy! And he's got that fucking memory stick and he's just like, he's a free man. Yeah, it's like anything could be on that memory stick. Anything <laughs> could be on it. I haven't even looked at it. And it, it. But it's like, oh, he's a free man. But the thing is, is, you get the idea that he's gone off in that private jet and he's got all of that money and Gemma Arterton. Um, who he's known for what a week? Yeah, and has just fucked over a guy that she's known for years because oh he was stealing. It's like and her as well. Well, did you know he's stealing? Well, yeah, I kind of did know he was stealing for a few years. A few years, and it's like <laughs> what she's got flip flop just because you know <laughs> Timberlake has gone. Did you know it? Like, yeah, uh, you got me. I did. The the, the thing is. The film is actually quite entertaining. It's it, it, it just in a what the what the fuck kind yeah. of a way. I, I, I mean, like I get a two out of five on Letterbox because I didn't hate it. You know, I didn't hate I it. It's watch just one on again. I probably would as well, I, to be honest. I, I, I will watch it again because it's stupid. It's, it's dumb as fuck. fuck. It's ninety minutes. Ben Affleck looks like he's having an absolute fucking blast with it um that's it It, it's i I actually quite enjoyed it It, uh, it's it's uh, it is funny it's very very funny and and good on it yeah but it it shouldn't be it that's not the point no it's i don't think it achieved what it tries to achieve but what what it does achieve is is beautiful yeah oh dear funny Right, okay, so um, that was it for the one new, one new. Uh, let's move on to the last part of our Christmas Merryfin as we take on uh, the the titan of holiday movies, uh, the the unimpeachable, uh, nearly 25 years old National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We shall have a clip from the, well, we'll have the trailer and then we'll be back and we'll talk about it. After vacationing across America and throughout Europe, this holiday season, the Griswolds are going to play it safe. Clark, we're stuck under a truck! They're staying at home. I give you the Griswold family Christmas tree. Hope you're not getting sap all over your sweater, Clark. All Clark wants is a quiet, old-fashioned Christmas. Sorry. Got a little knot here. We can work on that. What he's going to get is the gift that keeps on living. Merry Christmas. His family. We didn't come to impose. <laughs> oh, hell, there's plenty of room. Do you sleep with your brother? Do you know how sick and twisted that is, Mom? Well, I'm sleeping with your father. Have you got a kiss for me? Eh, you better take a rain check on that, Art. He's got a lip fungus ain't identified yet. But no holiday could ever be more deeply touching. We were gonna call, but Eddie wanted to make it a surprise. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. Ah, we're really gonna fly down the hill with this stuff. So genuinely moving. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere, leave you for dead. More truly uplifting. Can I show you something? I was just blouse browsing. Or more down to earth. Merry Christmas! If Santa is smart, he'll stay well clear of this joint. It's a death trap. Woohoo! Boo, 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 boo. Then 
Christmas with the Griswolds. Everybody come out quick, look at the lights! They want you to say grace. I pledge allegiance to the flag. The United States of America. This year, let's Chevy Chase light up your holidays. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That thing had nine lives, she just spent them all. <laughs> you Woo! crack up. Okay, so that was the trailer for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, directed by Jeremiah S. Chechik and written by John Hughes. Uh, Jeremiah S. Chechik also directed... The uh, Uma Thurman, Ray Finds the Avengers, uh, a fuckload of TV. Uh, in fact, he hasn't directed that. Oh, bless him! He hasn't directed a film since the Avengers. He's got. He one. did a t- he did a TV movie six years later. Uh, yeah, he, he he also directed the uh, Johnny Depp film Benny and June. I like that film. Mm-hmm. He, um, he's got a film coming out next year, I think. I came up this year, sorry. Oh, the right kind of wrong. Yeah, starring Ryan Quatton and um, nobody else. Leo the dishwasher falls in love with a bride on the day of her wedding to another man. Leo the dishwasher. Why not? Anyway, also known as Sex and Sunsets. Ah. Right, um, anyway. Stars uh, Catherine O'Hara. There we go. There we go. Anyway, away from sex and sunsets. Uh, the right, even though the right kind of wrong isn't really a great title either. Uh, oh, Jer- that last thing to say about Runner Runner. Runner Runner is a shit title for a movie. Yeah, it is. Just using poker terminology that no one really knows, and I still don't really know what it means. And I watched the film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, Chevy Chase is Clark Griswold. He's trying to um, plan the perfect uh, family Christmas, um, but he's uh, impeded in his progress by massive trees, squirrels, uh, cigar-chomping relatives. um, Christmas lights. Christmas lights, uh, being stuck in an attic, (laughs) um, all sorts of stuff. Oh, and uh, he's waiting for his bonus check. Yep. Which kind of forms the uh, point of the uh, the last 20 minutes or so. Uh, so, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. This is on Netflix US, which is how I watched it. I imagine it's probably on Netflix UK as well. I, 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 I think so, anyway. Uh, Mark, I know you love this, so um, go on, bud, start us off. Um, I, I do adore uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It is, I mean, for a start, it, you know, it's a proper Christmas movie. It's all about the perfect family Christmas. Um and it is, it's essentially a collection of sketches uh, put together. Um, and Chevy Chase is, is one of those comedic actors that he, he was, you know, he was very much top of his game at this point, you know. And he'd already sort of had a couple of movies with this character and he, he very much honed this character around. And it, it fit. And the great thing about, um, about that I found about Christmas Vacation is. Clark Griswold is a great guy. He's not an arsehole. He's got no... His only flaw is he wants to do things that are outside of his means. 
is that he just tries too hard to make to, to make everything perfect. All well, of, also, yeah. also that he is trying to. I think he's trying to be the man, but not in a particularly like testosterone way. He just wants to be able to do things like they did in the in the olden days. Yeah. He, he he wants he wants to be seen as the head of the household, but not not in a particularly ego driven way. Just in a kind of because almost like just because it's what is expected of him and it's what he expects of him. Yeah, he, he's you know he wants to put on the perfect Christmas for his kids and he wants to have all the family around so that everybody not that everybody thinks he's great so that everybody has a great Christmas and it's just the entire world of everything just seems to be against him and. Um, he never really kind of up until that last bit never really loses his shit with it. He, 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 he deals with adversity by just going, well, I've just got to carry on going at it. Um, and it just, it, he's, he's just got this avert niceness and the only, the only sort of negativity he has seems to be against his neighbours. Yeah, and even even that's in a kind of a not particularly antagonistic way. It's, just it's more in a I don't like you because you don't like Christmas kind of way. Yeah, kind um, of busting their balls kind of yeah, way. Yeah, a great moment of the. Uh, where are you going to put that tree? tree? We'll bend over and I'll show you. Hey, you can't talk to me like that. I wasn't talking to you. Yeah, that's great. It's just a wonderful that. It's that, and it, as well, this is uh, the jokes go. I watched this with Isabel, and she loves it. She's watched it a couple of times already this Christmas. Um, and What do you do about the F-bomb? It's an F-bomb. It, there's, there's like one or two in it. Do you know what? She's nine years old. She, I occasionally drop the occasional F-bomb. You can deal with it. Uh, okay. I can deal with it. You know, she hears worse in music. Yeah, okay. Um, so it, it's one of those, you know, just because you hear it doesn't mean to say you can repeat it. Yeah, okay. Um, kind of things. But... I think the reason why I adore uh, Chris Vacation is just because it's a really nice film. The comedy is family friendly, but it's still great. I've watched this film 20 odd times and it still makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not as, if this hasn't been as part of my annual roster, if I'm absolutely honest, I, and I don't really know why. But I started watching it yesterday when we were waiting for a midwife to come around to um, uh, do something called a sweep for Donna, which I'm not going to describe. But suffice to say, I wasn't in the room. Yeah. Um, So we were waiting for her to come around. And I was just like, well, I think we're probably recording tomorrow. So I kind of need to get a bit of this watch. So I stuck it on. And Donna came in about three or four minutes later. And she was like, oh, what are you watching? I was like, I'll film for the podcast. And she started watching it. And she laughed a couple of times. And then she just basically sat down and she was like wrapping presents and stuff like that. But she, she was watching it. And not often does that happen when I'm watching a film and Donna just comes in and just starts watching it. But by the end of it, we were just we, we were both just like that was cracking. That took our minds off of what everything else that's been going on for an hour and a half. And frankly, now it's it's going to be in my roster. Yeah, it, it, Christmas for me starts the first time I watched Christmas Vacation and those title credits start. Those wonderful yeah, it's, it's, animated it's that song. credits and uh, that yeah. song. And it's just... It's like, right, that's it. And it it, it almost makes you go as, as like... 
because you're going to have it sort of properly from next year where you go in right it's a family Christmas now yeah you yeah. know and, and like that and it, it kind of makes you go do you know what I have to try a little bit I have to do, I have to be a bit more Griswold in my approach to Christmas now yeah I know I want you know I want Isabel's memories of Christmas when she grows up to be you know we had the your fucking house was decorated and it was an event and that is what you know I used to be a bit more humbug with Christmas and I'm not anymore at all you know, and I attribute some of that to Clark Griswold because he wants to create Christmas as this event and it's not something you should become all kind of cynical about and, oh, you know, Christmas and I can't wait for it to be over. It's like, oh, fuck off. You know, if you don't like Christmas, don't do it. Simple as that. If you're going to be a humbug and be a miserable bastard at Christmas, don't do it. Nobody's going to force you to do it. Just sit at home on your fucking own and be a miserable bastard. But it is a time of year where, you know, I see all my family. I don't want to fucking see them all the time. But at Christmas, I do. And it makes you go, do you know what? I want to be a bit more fucking Griswold. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, like, to be to be fair, added incentive for me is going to be the fact that the kid's birthday is going to be so close to Christmas as well. Yeah, so it's, it, Christmas Eve. Yeah, it probably, yeah, it probably is at this fucking rate. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be an extra celebration there. But... Yeah, I mean, the, the, what you were saying earlier on about about Clark just being a good man, I like the fact that this this film as well, it doesn't have the, the stereotype of having, like, the teenage kids just be uncaring and kind yeah. of dickheads with it. I love the moment where the lights fail and one of the relatives, like, criticises him, and then Juliette Lewis is just like, Dad worked really hard on that, yeah. you know, that's, that's not fair just that moment and there's a few other moments in the film where they genuinely show that they they do care yeah. about their dad and there's a lot of like there's a lot of christmas films where that just doesn't they're just like oh whatever and then by the end of the film maybe they'll show some appreciation no they're, they're very much they're very much about it like all the way through you know the fact that um you got johnny Paul, johnny johnny uh, is Kind of like he's helping him sort of put up the decorations and he's yeah. he's kind of like that and then when he's like we checked all the lights didn't we he's like uh and at that moment he's like I'm gonna walk away but it, there is a caringness to it all and the fact that you know it's there's just some great moments the kids aren't irritating in it they're used very well like the when um, Clark's talking to the sales girl. Oh, and then Rusty comes along. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And um, he, he just he just appears um, and just kind of looks at him, and he's just very much like. I mean, that is a great scene where he, every word he just completely gets tangled up in his words. Um, it's just it's that's Chevy Chase just being great at comedic timing and that that physical buffoonery that he can sure. do very well. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that, that's right. I mean, it, it is, he's great at the physical stuff and the and the word stuff. I mean, like, when he explodes at the end and, like, the stuff he's, he's like, the words he's using to describe his boss. I mean, Donna, like, watched that. She was just like, I wonder how many takes that took. I think it was and, all one. God, really? I, I remember that, reading something about it where um, they said um, that, where John Hughes, I think, said literally with Chevy Chase is he's so fucking on and so bang, bang, bang. 
that you can that that he will have. He would have practiced that over and over and over and over and over and over, so that when it was ready to go, he could just go, bang, and just do it. And he practiced it. He, said, he almost practiced it like it's a song, and then he just sings it. Fair play. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. I, I just I'm I'm, I'm going to look on the IMDb trivia to see if no, nah, it's not. No, fair enough. But. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, fuck, I had a, a point I was going to raise as well, but I've forgotten. Um, ah, Christ. But, yeah, no, I mean, it's... I, I also, I do like the kind of the bubbling under of the uh, of the kind of the, the tension that he's having. The scene where he's in the attic and he's looking at the uh, old reel of the old family movies, and there's that shot of his face... And I don't know whether this is intentional or maybe he just slightly muffed it up. But there's almost a kind of a psychotic look of I need I need to get this right. I need to get my Christmas like this Christmas. But he's just looking or whether he's just really, really over egging the sentimentality. I Do you know I, the shot I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't think. I, 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 I've always seen it as you, you first described it as, as him going, "This is what I need to do." This, is but like really intensely. Yeah, and, and that's and he's, he's so you know the fact that he wants all the family round, the fact that he clearly doesn't like most of the family, but yeah, it's what you do at Christmas, and it's that yeah. you know, and then you know once you get you know the, the fact that. Um, You've got oh fuck it uh, when Randy Quaid turns up and he turns up and he's like you know he, he's talking to the you know um, Sue Ann is it the uh, uh, sorry Sue Ann uh, Randy Quaid's daughter oh yeah 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 and he's talking to her and it's like you know we're, we're not going to get Christmas we didn't get it last year and he's very much like right well he says to uh, Eddie like you know well we want to want to help you out this Christmas and he just pulls out the list that he's already got him after loading up all of the fucking dog food and shit like that onto the thing. Yeah. And it's just, Clark doesn't even bat an eyelid at that. There's not even mention of that. It's just, you know, all right, cool. Yeah, yep, yep. This is what you do at Christmas. And it's just that all the way through. And the only time he blows up is when his boss does something un-Christmassy. Yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. Like literally, the only time he explodes at someone is when the idea of Christmas is shaken. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. It's just it is it is an absolute testament to what Christmas is about. All yeah. wrapped up in a great family comedy that, like you say, is twenty five years old, but still feels as funny and as fresh as it did nearly twenty five years ago. It, the sure. comedy still resonates. Because it doesn't go uh, for pop culture comedy. There's nothing that's super aged it actually. Oh. I mean, it's I suppose in it, like the fashions or something, but there's not really any like product placement or anything. Oh. So you don't have the kids like playing on a NES or anything like that. Um, yeah, no, it just it it still feels it feels less aged than quite a lot of nineties comedies. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, 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 there's there's you could you, you could quite easily um, release this now, 
and all you'd have to change is a few of what the you know the costumes. That's it. You wouldn't need to change anything else. Nothing. There's nothing particularly eighties about it. Other than no. the attire. That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Not really. Not really. It's just the. I say the thing is, is it, and is well, it is, it is at points, you know, it's it's great kind of slapstick um, comedy at points. It, it, it is, it is, there is a lot of laughs in it as well, and the comedy still works. Oh God, him getting um, when he's sitting down, and then Beverly D'Angelo opens up the the attic door, and he um, and he. Uh, falls down like that bit's fucking incredible yeah yeah <laughs> there's just yeah uh, uh, but it's like him opening the attic and the ladder slides out and smashes him in the head mm. it just stuff like that it just works because of because the, there's great reactions from him you know Chevy Chase is just has great comedic awareness or did at this point have great comedic awareness and it, it just works so so well yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, yeah. I mean, I don't have too much more to say. I, really. I, I, I thought mean... um, you watched <laughs> it in the perfect environment. It just sat wrapping presents. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, Donna, Donna, Donna was wrapping presents. I was just kind of sat there, to be honest. But yeah. um, I mean, you know, have the heavily pregnant woman do the work? Why not? Yeah. Um, Myself and uh, Becky have, have a Christmas tradition where we wrap all of the Christmas stuff on Christmas Eve whilst watching um, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, and it's these traditions. My tradition is Christmas starts the first time I watch Christmas Vacation. On tomorrow night on the twenty third, I'll watch Die Hard, and then on Christmas Eve, I'll watch It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And these are part of my Christmas movie tradition. I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life, and oh. it's on on Christmas Eve on Channel Four, and. Donna and I, because neither of us have seen it, and we were both like, right, we're going to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Now, unless the kid starts making her appearance within the next 24 hours, we're not going to be watching It's a Wonderful Life, and I'm fucking pissed. (laughs) Quite simply, It's a Wonderful Life is is in my top 20 films of all time. It's a glorious film. Fair play. It is. I think it's Becky's second favourite film of all time. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, uh, definitely not shit. One yeah, of the most definitely not shits we've ever had. Yep. Uh, and that was it for the Christmas Merry uh, Fun. Uh, so we actually got through it all. Yes, we did. Yeah. Um, so, uh, which was a surprise. Um, what the next marathon will be, we don't know. It won't be seasonal. It'll probably be back to a director marathon, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, um, we'll think about that in a few weeks, I think. Yeah. Um, so we've got, I believe we've got one Twitter question. Uh, I think we might have a couple. Let's have a look. Have you got them there? Have you got, have you got the one? I've got one anyway, yeah. So, uh, Glenn, Glenn T. Chapman, uh, finest seasonal ale, not for this season, but Morrison's do a cracking hot cross ale. Um, do you know what? I haven't been on the ales this Christmas. Have you not? No, because I like I bought a shitload of Budweiser in because it was uh, cheap, and I've just been drinking that because it doesn't get me too pissed, and I don't want to get too pissed because I've been in a constant state of I might need to do stuff for about the last month. Mm. 
So I haven't really sat down and like had a real proper drinking session. So I I, I actually have to abstain. Sorry. Um, Black Sheep uh, Imperial Russian Stout. Fair play. Black, Black Sheep Black Sheep is nice. Uh, there's an Imperial Russian Russian Stout. I'll read the little what is it? Uh, dark, strong, powerful Russian Stout. Uh, Rich, fruity, caramel aroma, and initial sweetness, followed by a peppery hop, hints of licorice and chocolate, and a delightful, very long, warming finish. It is very nice. Uh, well, we actually have one a, a question left over from last week's uh, from Glenn, which was, oh, okay, cool. um, if you could have one actor to narrate your life, who would it be? We didn't answer oh, it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I said we weren't going to. Yeah, okay. Um... You don't want one that's too cliched. Yeah. So like John Hurt would be. That's it. You can't, that's what I was thinking. You know, you can't have John Hurt because John Hurt would be a little bit too cliched. Um, mine is gonna be. Ooh, Ron Perlman. That's good. Ron Robert Perlman. Shaw, circa Jaws. Oh, that's good. That's very good. Yes. I like that. That's, that's good. Everything you do would be really gruff and nasty. It'd be great. That. Or Keith David for like no reason. Yeah. David Keith Carradine. David's got a good voice, man. David Carradine's a good one. Yeah. That'd work. Yeah. Uh, we actually have another question as well, actually. Okay, cool. Uh, from Tom, very cinematic. No one likes a cynic, but which films are going to bomb in 2014? Ooh, here's a question. Okay, let's have a look at the let's have a look at the schedule because it's going to be. I to be honest, I think the next couple of years it's going to be as much where they're where they're scheduled and where they're put up against mm. as much as their quality. So, assuming we're talking about bigger films, yeah, I would say yeah. I'd, I'd say it's got to be you know eighty plus million. Okay, so I'm looking at the la- the last week of March is. Captain America, Muppets Most Wanted, and Noah. I think Noah could bomb. I think Noah's in trouble. I think Noah's in a lot of trouble. And that, uh, I think that could bomb. Do, do, do you know what will save that if the Christians go? Yeah, Because you look at, look at Passion of Christ. If you get the Christians to go, you'll make money. But you might piss them off and they might not go. Mm. I, 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 I could I, see that bombing. I just think Captain America versus Noah. That's exactly. madness. Um, the week after that is Divergent, which will be fine and isn't. I don't think that's got that big a budget. Uh, Rio Two, which will be fine. fine. Uh, the okay. week after Rio that, Rio Two will make, will make 300, million, 300 million without anyone even fucking noticing it's out. Yeah, straight up. Uh, Friday the eighteenth of April, apparently, uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two, which will be fine. Fine, yeah. Uh, I hasn't got anything else coming out around it, to be honest. April 25th in the UK is Transcendence. I think that'll be fine. Out the same day as Schwarzenegger's Sabotage, but Schwarzenegger films aren't really box I, I, office competition I, these yeah, days. Yeah, I, I don't think you can count that as something that, that, no. that would even have the capacity to be classed as a flop. So you've got Transcendence, and then the week after that is the first week of May. You've got Tarzan 3D and the F word. I don't think either of those have got that big a budget anyway. Yeah. Week after that, Bad Neighbours, which I'm assuming is Neighbours, the Efron 
Rogan film. That, that won't be 80 million. Right, Friday the 16th of May, Godzilla. Then Thursday the 22nd of May, X-Men Days of Future Past. I think they'll both be fine. I think they'll both be fine. I think out of those two, I think X-Men is more okay. But I think they'll both be fine I as think, well. I think, Godzilla will, I think Godzilla could be this year's... Um, Planet of the Apes. I think it, it, it could make a lot more than people can expect it to make. The week after, Edge of Tomorrow, I, and Maleficent on the same day. Maleficent, I think, could 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 struggle. I think Edge of Tomorrow will be fine. Maleficent, I think it's going to depend on reviews. I, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, I'm not too sure, man. I think I think Cruise to an extent is still he's not as safe a bet as he used to be, but he still pulls it in. It's just it's a it's a generic title, but the trailer is, is good. So. It is, but the trailer will get will get will get you you know you people who go to the cinema three four times a year will go to see Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, but yeah, but even that, but then again, would they not go and see X Men, which just the week before, or Godzilla, yeah. which is two weeks before that? Uh, I could see him more likely going to see the new Tom Cruise. Movie. <laughs> you think out of those, really? I would say X Men, just because of like the name recognition and the cast. I reckon you'll get your. Late thirties, forties, generic film goers will go and see the Tom Cruise movie. Okay, I think I think it'll be fine. Uh, week after Twenty Two Jump Street and A Million Ways to Die in the West, I don't think either of them have got that bigger budget. But I think I think A Million Ways to Die in the West might have trouble just because of that title. Yeah. Um, but Twenty Two Jump Street will be fine. Yeah. Uh, skipping on, June hasn't got an awful lot, frankly, because of the World Cup. So after the sixth of June, it's um. It's kind of dead for a couple of weeks. I mean, The Purge 2 is out on the 20th of June, 2014, but whatever. Mrs. Brown's Boys, 27th of June again, oh, whatever. God. They're not making an actual fucking film of it, are they? Yeah. Oh, fuck off. Pretty much. Um, but then hell. July kicks off again, right? July is brutal. 4th of July, How to Train Your Dragon 2, that'll be fine. fine. The following Thursday, Transformers 4, be it'll be fine. The following Thursday, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Be fine. That'll be fine. The following Friday, so a week and a day after, Jupiter Ascending. Ooh, I don't think that's going to be fine. Now, a week after Jupiter Ascending is Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, that's the one I think could be the, the flop this year. I yeah. think Jupiter Ascending... Marvel, Marvel or Marvel, Marvel can do, can sell pretty much anything. Yeah, but every empire has a bit of a fall, and I don't know. I, I, that is the one with the garbage where I think it's the riskiest one so far from Marvel. I, I, yeah, I think it is, but I, I remember when because... four was seen as a massive risk. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but. I don't know. I, I think out of the Marvel films that have been released so far from that canon of Marvel, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is the one that is the riskiest. Is the one where they are, they're basically they're they're hoping that the fact that it's Marvel that it's Marvel is going to be enough to get people in, and it quite likely will be. But I think you know, and I, I hope it doesn't because it's James Gunn and I like a lot of the cast. But I think that is the first really, ooh, could go either way a Marvel one. 
I tell you what, the thing is, <clears throat> the week after that, you got in between us two on the Wednesday, and you got the Rock Hercules on the Friday. Mm. You see, in the UK, the in between us will do a fuck ton of money. It just yeah. will. And the Rock always pulls money in. He's, he's, he's the Rock has become uh, he's become box office safe. The thing is, if Guardians has a good opening weekend, then I think the talk of Bomb will be a bit lesser. Yeah. And I think the fact that the week before is Jupiter Ascending, which isn't going to get a massive crowd out. Yeah. Like, there's two weeks between Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and Guardians of the Galaxy. So, D- Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is going to be fine. And I think Guardians of the Galaxy could be all right at least the first week. And then it will just depend on that second week. But then... Uh, the yeah, I mean, that's basically it for summer. Then you've got Expendables 3, but the budget for that probably won't be that high. And then you're basically into September. So, um... Turtles getting released next year. Yeah, I think it's late. Oh, uh, here we go. Uh, 17th of October. It's, uh, it's autumn half-term. Ah. Uh, um... What's the budget on that Mr. Peabody and Sherman movie? That must be... That must be probably, a heavy budget. Probably be about 80 or 90. That, I could see that bombing spectacular. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly in the UK. Let's have a look. Nah, there's no listed budget yet. I suppose it's not a surprise. Yeah. I would say that's to be 80 million, though, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, okay, so that was Farah. Um, so <laughs> we'll be, uh, so yeah, we'll be back. Um, it, it'll probably be shortly after New Year. When are you back in work, Mark? I'm not back in work till the second. Yeah, because I'm not back in work till the sixth. Um, you lucky bastard. You're off now. Yeah. When did, we, when did you finish? Uh, I. I was supposed to start my leave from effectively tomorrow, but I took Friday off as well because um, I, 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 my head hasn't been in it at work. And I just said, look, can I just start my leave earlier? Because otherwise I wouldn't have been back until Tuesday the 7th. And they need people in January, frankly. It's going to be busy in January and it's dead now. So they, like my boss was just like, yeah, all right, then come back in on Monday the 6th. That's pretty so cool. I'm off. I'm done. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I, I've got so, I've got a week off. Uh, I finished on the 20th, but I was at work on the night of the 20th, um, and then I'm back at job number one on the second and job number two on the 27th. But I've absolutely fucked my back and my hip carrying shit. a fucking heavy as bastard stove down a flight of stairs. Shit. Fuck it. Yeah, delivering a stove to a customer. Tangenting here, I'm in real life tangenting. Delivering a stove to a customer, we'll get there and they say, oh, we want it downstairs. Like, but Do it yourself. Are eh? you serious? This thing's like 300 fucking kilograms. Yeah. And there's two of us. And the stairs weren't normal stairs. They're in like this fucking really, this townhouse and they were they were ridiculously steep and each step was maybe seven, eight inches and so we're carrying this fucking 300 fucking kilogram stove down these fucking stairs. Yeah. I had to take the door off and the fucking grates out and everything like that to make it a little bit lighter. 
Oh, Dirty and Alex is a nightmare. So I'm absolutely fucking nail at her back. And then I'm at Dead Meat today. So I'm there from I've got fucking loads to do for that and then I'll be there for the rest of the day. Nice. That's yeah. my day. Cool. Um Yeah, I, so the next show will be early review January. of the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll say early January. Um, yeah, that sounds good, actually. Um, not too sure what the actual dates will be, but um, I imagine, yeah, we'll be recording, like, around the first or, like, the weekend after the first. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Cool. Um, last thing I say, I suppose, is Merry Christmas. Really, this will be out before Christmas. You'll have been listening to this, hopefully... Either uh, before Christmas or possibly on Christmas Day while eating your Christmas dinner. <laughs> uh, I hope not. I um, really hope not as well. <laughs> but yeah, no. Have a good, um, have a good Christmas, folks. Have an awesome, uh, great New Year, um, Ian. Um, hi. You'll have a child next time we do this. Yeah. What um, the fuck? I actually, will do. It's yeah. not going to be. A, oh, I probably will, and then it turns out I won't. Actually, I will do. You actually will do. So I hope you have a wonderful first Christmas with your beautiful baby girl. Thank you. Because she's Thank you, built sir. here at the latest, I would say, Christmas Day. Oh, don't say that. Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve or before. Come on. Yes. Fingers Come on, kid. Cool. Work with us here, kid. Come on. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, and let's say we'll see you next year. Cheers, guys. Bye.